1: We receive a small percentage of however much you pay for whatever you bought. Nothing extra for you, but a tangible contribution, if small, for us. You could also sign up for a free trial with the voluminous audible.com. We get something out of that too. We thank you for the support and allowing us to continue presenting Krishnadasa's excellent talks. In
2: our religions, there's a,
1: a concept of
2: refuge or shelter, when we take refuge in the name, in the chanting of the name, it's refuge because we can always let go of whatever it is we're thinking, feeling, whatever we're obsessing about, always have the option to let go and come back to the chanting. Without a practice, it's very hard to let go of thoughts or to break those obsessive, compulsive situations in our heads. But as we develop these practices, we get some confidence in them and we begin our. our, We understand almost physically how they work. We don't need to be told. We know that when we sing, everything that we're thinking is going to shift because we're singing and not paying attention to it. And when it grabs us, we come back. It grabs us, we come back. We're learning to use that muscle, that invisible letting go muscle. And the more time we spend in that let go place, the less fiercely our thoughts and emotions grab us and push us around. They call it practice because you have to do it. We can't think ourselves out of a room or a prison that's made of thought. You can't. Every thought is another block, another brick in the wall of the prison. So we can't solve these problems that we have on the same level they exist. We have to learn to let go and get used to feeling that confidence and strength that we know we can let go. Not push away. That's a whole other thing. We're not pushing away. We're just coming back. It's very different than pushing away. And the more comfortable we get just being here, being ourselves, the less issues we have with with our own stuff. Let it come, let it go. And over time, we spend less time in negative, heavy states of mind like this. But we don't necessarily notice that. If you look back at your life after you've been doing practice for a while, you might notice that things that bothered you in a certain way, they just don't get you the same way or for as long or they don't grab you as deeply. And I, I witness, I testify. I swear to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help me, ron I spend less time moping around than I used to. It's extraordinary. I'm a moper. I was born a moper. I moped around my whole life. And now I almost forgot what it feels like. So I do it sometimes just for fun. Uh, It's fun to mope sometimes. You know, walk from room to room grouching to yourself that's the way I used to live so changes happen but they happen under the radar you do your practice you live your life and you deal with what you have to deal with next Uh, back to the visiting India have you been to Vrindavan oh yeah many times Uh, do you recommend visiting there You know, from what point of view? Are you going to India?
3: Spirit, yeah, I'm planning to, yes.
2: Yeah, it's a nice place. (laughs) What can I tell you? Are you going to find everything you ever wanted there and come back fully enlightened? Probably not. But maybe. (laughs) Vrindavan's a wonderful place. It used to be a lot more wonderful than it is now. Now it's become too too busy, too many people running around. Too many Westerners came and too many businesses opened. And, but in the old days, it was a very small little bazaar with cloth merchants and sweets—you know, people who sold sweets and stuff like that. Now it's just really dirty and big. But it's a very holy place. Very holy place, they say. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. Many, many ancient temples there that you can visit and... Uh, but you always, you wear glasses. Make sure you take your glasses off when you ride in the rickshaw because the monkeys will jump across the road and grab your glasses and run away with them. Oh Absolutely. Is it Everybody knows that. Yeah. yeah.
3: Wants when they get <laughs> yeah. Hi. Hi. Hey. Um, so you've talked about this transformation, you know, not wanting to be mopey and... Um, we're, here, we're here chanting, um, chanting these mantras. Um, could you share about maybe an experience that you've had with uh, an ex- a, a particular mantra that maybe you were uh, participating with, you know, chanting? And um, tell us about what you've discovered inside that mantra, what your bodily felt experiences, your emotional experiences are with that mantra maybe a story about that mantra well
2: i'll tell you a little something i'm not gonna you know the less i tell you the better it is for you because i put these concepts in your head and if you don't get that you think you're not doing it right don't say no that's what happens that's what happens i'm telling you but i'll tell you something
3: Uh, so cancel that okay um just tell us a story about a mantra.
2: I'll tell you what I was going to tell you before. Okay. <laughs> when uh, Back in the old days when I was with Maharaji and in the temple, we were living there. And Actually, at that point, we weren't living there. We would come from a local town every day and spend all day in the temple. And then in the afternoon, the bus would come out of the hills and stop in front of the temple and we would get the call, bus has come, now go. So so we would come there in the morning and uh, wait for Maharaji to come out and spend some time with us. And uh, one day, uh, there used to be these guys, these kirtanwalas, these kirtan guys, who sang Hare Krishna in this one little room around the courtyard. And they sang all day and all night from about 4 in the morning till about 11 at night in different shifts, you know, three or four guys at a time. And whenever Maharji wasn't out, we would sing with them because we liked to sing. So one day, uh, all these guys, were we saw them carrying all their stuff on their back, all their possessions, putting it on the back of a truck, and they all got on the back of a truck and were driven away. So we found out that one of these Indian guys had tried to seduce one of the Western girls who was with us in the temple. And, of course, Maharaji found out about it. Boom, all these guys were sent home. And uh, it was towards the end of the season. There was probably another month or two le- month or so left before the temple would close. So One of the Indian guys said, Baba, you just kicked the, what, the Kirtan people out. Who's going to sing now? <laughs> the Westerners. Oh, now, you'd think we might be happy getting a chance to sing, but it wasn't quite like that because we had, to, we had one instruction, sing. There was nothing about stopping. You just had to sing until Maharaji yelled, okay, go home. And so what would happen is if, if he came out during your singing shift, uh, you didn't get to see him, which was bad. If there's good and bad, that's bad. Seeing him was good. Not seeing him was bad. It was a very simple life. So, I, I'd been singing. We'd been singing for weeks, and and I almost never saw him. You know. I would I would decide. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go pee. So I came out of the the room and I walked. This way, I made a right into the courtyard. And then I'm walking down the courtyard towards the back door. And he's sitting over here hanging out with all my friends. right? And so I just kind of like f- look this way, but I'm actually walking this way, you know? And meeting ciao, go. Uh, okay. And I tried it on the way back. Ap, go. He wouldn't let me come. And this went on forever. So I was stuck. So all day long I'm singing, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna. Hare Hare. You want to talk about boredom. You want to talk about everything. There's nothing else to do. You're stuck sitting there singing this, this chant. You don't really know many melodies. You'd never, you never. It's all pretty new to us. Couldn't hardly play the harmonium. And yet you had to keep singing. And there's a microphone hanging there from the ceiling that's been left over from World War I. And it's creaking and screaming and making all kinds of distorted sounds. And our wonderful, beautiful kirtan is being broadcast to the whole valley through these big, old speakers on the on the top of the temple. So, yeah. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare So, okay, I'm singing, but I'm not going to pay any attention. So I'm singing, and I'm thinking my life, relive my life a few times. You know, yeah, I was born, and then... Yeah, yeah, I had that blue blanket, Hare Krishna. And then my mom picked me up and took me home, Hare Krishna. Yeah, and I was, I had that, I was in that little crib, and you know this kind of stuff. go, you're talking hour after hour after hour after hour with no channel to change. This is serious. You talk about panic. You know, here, you know, you get a little bit hungry, you have a nosh. You get bored, you change the channel. Or you get in the car and you go to do something else. There was nowhere to go. Nothing to do but Hare Krishna. It was like you were looking death in the face. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, you know. Yeah so yeah you know they're trying to play trying to pay trying to sing trying to make it work trying to sing you know sometimes it get very pretty sometimes very really ugly but till uh, you keep singing and you know when you ask your mind to pay attention it looks at you like what you crazy no way am i gonna pay attention you start it start doing everything except what you want it to do i remember my whole life I, I remember my old girlfriend before i came to india you know and uh and I started, it started to be, Hare Krishna, And I'm thinking about her. Hare Krishna. You know, and I'm thinking about her. And then I remembered she broke up with me, right? Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. But you, no matter what you're feeling, you've got to keep singing, you see? So that turned out to be the saving grace. The fact that there was no channel to change, nowhere to go, and even if you had a channel, he wasn't going to let you change it. Because after a while, and I'm talking a while, your mind just, the stuff coming through your brain, it just, something starts to happen. And there was a, it was like a figure-ground reversal. Whereas before, everything in here was real and big, and the the Hare Krishna was like, you know, kind of out there and everything. But after a while, the mantra started to feel sweet, you know, just simple and sweet. And you were attracted to it. There was a sweetness. And you started singing it, and a thought would come and it would just go through like Chinese food. Very. Quickly. That's in the old monosodium glue, MS, MSG days. So, you know, it just, and, and so you keep singing, you keep singing, and you go in and out, in and out, you're paying attention, you're not paying attention. But slowly, the, the space of chanting, the chanting space, got so deep. And it was more real than me and my stuff. It was very interesting. It was the first time I ever had a clue that this stuff actually works. But to get to that place, I went to hell, which most of you won't do. You have to stay in it long enough. Like, you know, do a week, you know, of. 18 hours a day chanting with a group of people, maybe. And even when you're not chanting, you're in the room. You lie down there so that you immerse yourself. Something's going to happen. It has to happen. There's no doubt about it. It has to happen. Guaranteed, something's going to happen. They might put you in a hospital. (laughs) Because you'll want to cling to that experience. You get greedy. You want that... You want that sweet experience and you're going to hold on to it. And anything that comes like natural thoughts, you're going to slap them away and get angry. And then you, you wind up getting very compressed. And that's when they put you away. If you just relax and take it as it comes, they'll never know. Only you know. Only you know. Because it happens inside of you. So, these Times that we get together like this are very useful because it's it's a step out of our daily life and it's a it's a moment of practice, a weekend of of immersing ourselves in this stuff. And it's a very good very powerful experience. And um and a lot of times people ask me, What what do I experience when I sing? I don't know. I'm not That's not what I'm thinking about. I'm not categorizing, evaluating, even noticing experiences. I'm just singing. Anytime I notice I'm not actually really singing, giving my full attention, I simply come back. So what do I experience when I sing Hare Krishna? Hare Krishna. But inside that, it's not like Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna. Inside that, there's space. There's, there's sweetness and presence and, and a feeling of being at home, being in the right place. And, but it's not out there. It's not up and down, up in the sky. It's just it's being at home in here. That's my experience. And that happens with any mantra because all mantras are the same, no matter who says anything about that. Ma mantra means the name of God. All the mantras that are named, if you're a Shaivite maha mantra is Om Namah Shivaya. If you're a Rambhakta, maha mantra is Sri Ram Jai Ram, or Ram Ram. If you're a, from the Gaudiya Sampradaya, maha mantra is Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Hari Ram, Hare Ram. If you're from another Krishna sect, it's Om Namah Bhagavate Vasudevaya. All names are maha mantra means the great mantra means maha mantra the name because it only it's only for one thing happiness joy love it's not for robbing banks or stopping trains you can have mantras for anything and if you do them correctly they'll work but these mantras have no don't do anything except make us happy ultimately the more we do them
1: Do you
3: notice um, something collective in terms of the bliss that's filling a room, or is there some importance to it, or goal, or effect, something you can share about?
2: Do I notice? In what way?
3: When it seems the whole room has experienced uh, oneness, bliss, all at once, Uh, is there consciousness that's actually... um, that's there, that's part of the uh, effect of kirtan and, and it, uh, reaching an energy point or a place that we all go. Maybe.
2: I mean, I'm not blind and I'm not deaf, but even so, that's not the point. You know what I'm saying? I, a lot of times I, I recognize, in retrospect, I see the things that came out of my mouth could only have come out of my mouth in certain situations. Because, for whatever, for better or worse, it seems like I'm. Res- we're all in this vibe together, and what's coming out of my mouth, I hope, is what is useful to the people in the room. Every day is new. I don't, I don't have a clue what I'm going to say. Seriously. So I figure it must come from somewhere, and there must be a good reason for it. Otherwise, my guru wouldn't put me here. He didn't put me here to hurt anybody. So... I'm trying to do the best I can, so by inference, I think that uh, I can kind of, if I think about it, I could see, well, that was nice. I was able to say certain things that I maybe never said before or in a new way, which shows there was a kind of a, a, an open-heartedness about the day in a certain kind of way, a non-judgmental. People might have stopped thinking a little bit and slowed down. You know, It's different every day it's it's different tomorrow with the same people it'll be different but do i know what that is could i could i trade it for 50 bucks on the corner no it's not i'm just responding just like you're responding
0: hi hi um thank you so much for your stories and for being so funny and sharing all this um my question is uh people i just came back from india and, Got to see a lot of uh, amazing people. I saw you in um, Radhanath Swami's ashram oh, yeah? for the Flower Festival. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, cool. It was with that little group, the Shrita Oh, yeah, yeah,
2: with, with Raghunath. mm
0: mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And, um, but, so we all, you know, we, we were at Mahakumbha Mela and we in Vrindavan and just connected to so many um, beings, and we were Ganesh Puri and and had just all of these experiences. And then people say, so do you have one guru? Did you pick one guru? And, and I left it with this feeling of I had you know, so many connections and so, so much of that feeling. And do you, just kind of your thoughts on do you need to have one guru? Or can you be influenced and, and affected by multiple teachers?
2: Um, guru is not a person. Guru is not a human being. Guru is, Guru, God, and self are the same. It includes self. Guru, God, whatever that is, and self are the same. So when you meet your Guru, it's not a person outside of you, it's somebody who knows who they are. They know who they, you are, and they know who God is, and they know that to be one thing. That's the guru. Now, whether you meet your guru in a physical body or not, it doesn't matter. You don't do that. The guru, When you need to meet the guru, the guru shows up in your life, one way or the other. You may not meet that guru physically, because guru isn't physical. It's within us. You can have many teachers. They can teach you many things. They can be very helpful. But guru is something else. Guru is something else. Gurus aren't teachers. They may give you some practices to do to keep you busy because you're bored. But they're not teachers. They change. They, they live inside of us. So when the time comes for us to know who and what that is, we will. And it may not be somebody else living in a physical body in this world at this time? Huh? Could be somebody ugly, yeah. Somebody that you never notice in the street. Um, you, it's not something you do. First of all, this may be a little radical, and you may not, we may not understand, but even our own lives, we're not really doing our own lives. Let's face it. Do we know what's going on? We don't know what's going on. We're going from day to day to day, essentially in a dream, hoping to wake up. So we're not really doing our own lives. It may look like that to us because we don't know what the reality is. guru knows the reality. And a guru is not something you find. The guru finds you and touches you the right way when it's the right time. And the real guru is always with us. It's like the breath. You can't be without the breath. You can't be without the guru. But you don't have to know that. That's not part of the deal. I'm sorry. It's just not part of the deal. When you signed this, that wasn't in the contract. I have to know my guru. No, you didn't notice that wasn't in there. So tough. So what did you do in the meantime? Not do anything? Fine. Don't do. Okay, you didn't do. Now what are you going to do? you got to do something. So you try to do the things that are good for you. I'll tell you a story. Two little stories. One short story. Mr. Tiwari, who was very close to Maharaji for 40 years, and a great yogi himself, an extraordinary yogi. One day he shows up at the temple, and from across the courtyard he starts yelling at Maharaji, Why did you drag me here? I was happy at home. I had no intention to come. Why did you drag me here? And Maharaji loves this. He goes, ah, I drag no one, but we've been together for 83 lives. That's why this happened. <laughs> not 82, not 84, 83. Okay? And they both laughed and had a good time. Here's the other story. In the late, by late 72, or by uh, the beginning of 1970, late 72, many Westerners were coming to India and doing these meditation courses, these Buddhist meditation courses. Some of them were in Bodhgaya, some of them were in Bombay with Mr. Goenka. And we had done a bunch of them uh, in 1970, 71, because Maharaji would run away. He'd disappear. You'd come to the temple one day, and he's not there. And nobody knows where he is, and nobody knows when he's coming back. So you hang around for a while and he doesn't show up, so you say, okay, we'll go do this. And then the word will, sh- you know, then when he shows up somewhere, word will get around and we'll go find him. This is what's happening all the time. Believe me, it was horrible. You can't, no control. He got no control. See, we couldn't buy him, we couldn't buy his attention. There's nothing we could give him that he needs. He loves us continually. Unconditionally, but he doesn't need us, and so there's no way we can sucker him into spending more time with us than he wants to, or he needs to. It's a terrible situation. <laughs> the the Gopis had no control of Krishna. On one hand, on the other hand, their love controlled him completely, but that they couldn't control his, whether he was there or not. They had his heart, but not his body. His body would go around and do other things. This is the same scene. So anyhow. So one day uh, we were in the temple in Vrindavan. And uh, I w- we were sitting around with Maharaj. Most of the time we sat around like this and just looked at him. That's what we did. He would talk to us or he wouldn't talk to us. He'd throw us some fruit. He'd hang around, get up, go somewhere else. We'd go there and sit there like this. So anyway, I was sitting there. And next to me there was this guy named Hannibal. I'll never forget his name. And he was sitting there like this. And I looked at him, and he's... So Maharaji says to me, Ask him what he's doing. <laughs> so I said, uh, Excuse me. Uh, Maharaji asked me to ask you what you're doing. I'm meditating. Baba, he says he's meditating. whoa <laughs> Ask him if he wants to see real meditation. Uh, Maharaji's asking him if you would like to see real meditation. Yes. Yes, Baba, he'd like to see. He said... Come here. So Hannibal goes up front. Maharaji calls one of his devotees named Gududak Sharma, who was a regular guy. He worked for the railroad, not even in a high position. He he had a very middle kind of low-middle class, upper-low class money situation, right? He had seven daughters, eight daughters, which in India is a difficult situation because... Everybody wants sons in India because the family name is passed through sons. And the way the situation is in India, if the bride's parents pay for the marriages, it's horrible. If you have eight daughters, you have to kind of be a millionaire to get your daughters married or make some kind of weird deals on the side or go into debt for the next 40 lives. But that's a whole other thing. We'll get over that. Okay. Anyway, Guru, that was just a regular guy, right? A working man. So Maharajah says, Dutt, come here, sit down. He says, meditate. So Dutt's sitting down below Maharaji on the ground. Maharajah's sitting on a kind of a bed. And Hannibal's sitting right there. So Gurudat goes, gone. Okay. Hello, not home, gone. Maharaji says, touch him. So Hannibal touched him. He said, no, no, push him, try to push him. So Hannibal tried to push him. He couldn't move the guy. He was like a mountain. He said, put, his hand, put your hands over his nose and mouth, like this. <laughs> and he did. And Guru wasn't breathing. Not breathing. Okay? Should I say that again? For those of you who might have missed it, not breathing, like in and out breath, you know? Not happening. Nothing. You don't believe me? I can see. You don't believe me. <laughs> not breathing. I was right there, not breathing. He had his nose like this for three minutes. Not breathing. So finally, Maharaji says to Hannibal, did you see that? Yeah. Okay, go sit down. Then after a few minutes, Maharaji calls me and another guy and asks us to pick Guru Gurudat up, carry him in his room, and put him on a bed. So we picked him up. He was stiff. Like, he didn't bend. We just picked him up by his legs, and he's like this. We picked him, we put him on the bed, and we left him there and le- walked out of the room. A few minutes later, Maharaji got up, walked into the room, slammed the door behind him. And about 10 minutes later, they both came out arm in arm, like two drunks, leaning on each other like this, you know. And they came back over and sat down. Gurdat sits there, Maharaji. So ask him, ask him if he saw that. So I said to this guy, Hannibal, again, did you see that? He said, yes. Ask him if he understands. Uh, did you understand that? No. Does he want to see it again? <laughs> Do you want to see it again? Yes. So Hannibal goes up there, and Maharaj says, gird that, meditate. I swear to you, gird that went like this. Okay. <laughs> <Boom>. <laughs> Gone. I mean, the house is empty. There's nobody home. And the doors are locked. So the same thing happened. After a few minutes... We picked them up, we carried him in the room, put him on the bed. Maharaji goes in, slams the door, they come out together like two drunks and sit down. So the next day, Maharaji asked me to drive Gurudat to Agra for some temple business. So I had the keys to Ramdas's car. We're driving along, and I think, this is my moment. He's my prisoner. I got him. So very casually, I just said, Gurudad, uh, could I ask you a question? Oh, of course. I said, do you practice meditation? Like, basically, I'm saying, how do you do that? I want it. <laughs> Tell me. But I was cool. I said, do you practice meditation? So Gurdad didn't say anything. He just sat there. And I figured, right, he's just not going to answer me. But then, after a few minutes, he started talking. He said, well, listen, all I could do is tell you a story. He said, when I first came to Maharaji, he showed me so much love and affection that nobody, some of the other devotees were like, they didn't believe it. They they were incredulous. He would grab my hand and pull me there. He would play with my hair. He'd pull my ears and play with my nose. He'd hold my hand. He'd look at me and smile and talk to me. And he showed me so much love and affections that some of the other old devotees, not close devotees, but other devotees who'd known Maharaji for a long time, they would say, what is it with this guy? Why do you love him so much? You don't show us the same love and affection. What is it? What is it? And Maharaji never said anything. He just ignored. And he would Can you play with Gurudat's head like little kids. <laughs> so finally, they in one day. Maharaji, Gurudat, and this one of these guys who was always asking these questions, was, they were in a room together, just the three of them. And this guy was ragging on Maharaji. He said, what is it about this guy? Why do you love him so much? We don't show us the same love. What, what's going on here? What is this about? So Maharaj ignored him, really, completely ignored him for some minutes. And then finally, Maharaji turns to him and he said, okay, you want me to tell you? Yes, I'll tell you. Good. But I'm only going to repeat it once. Okay, tell me. At the moment, Maharaj began to speak at that very instant, somebody came to the door of the room and called that guy. He turned his head to see who had called him, and by the time he turned back, Maharaji was finished talking. (laughs) And like Maharaji said, I'm only going to say it one time. He planned that, because the answer was only for Gurudat to hear. And what he said was, Not just this life, not just the life before, but life after life after life we've been together. That's why this happens. So, that's the bottom line. Guru, God, and self are one self. Self, your own self, what's in there? is the same as Guru, is the same as God. They say that in every book. I've read it a million times. I still don't believe it. But they say it's true. Maybe it is. Wouldn't that be nice? So it's up to us right now. Find a good way to live. Find a way to become a good human being in this world, at this time. Find the strength to do that. You don't have to be special. You don't have to shine in front of others. You just have to be happy. Find that place inside where everything's okay no matter what is happening in the outside world. That takes a little bit of work. But, so, what else you got going on? Find out what that means to you. It's your trip. It's your life. Live it. Nobody can live it for you. And it, you're free to be you at 100 miles an hour. And if you don't feel free, find out why. These names give us strength. These practices give us inner strength. If I try to pick myself up like this, (coughs) I can't do it. I have no leverage. But through these practices, we move more deeply into our own being. And then our stuff, even our inner stuff, starts to get outer. It's easier to let go of the deeper you go. The quieter you are inside, you find a way all of a sudden you can deal with certain issues that you might not have even been able to look at before. Things become possible that were not possible before. There's no time frame on this except now. Now is the time. Now is where we have choices to make. Of course, it's now, now, and tomorrow. When you ask what time is it, it's going to be now. It's always now, wherever we are. So we always have choices to make. Make the best choices you can according to how you see things. The other thing is through these practices, you know, if you're out walking in the middle of the night... Let's say you're some kind of being that was just born in the middle of the night and you never saw daylight. So you're walking around and you see the way things look, okay? It's pitch black, but you see things. There's shadows. You can see shapes and stuff like that. So you're walking around. This is your reality. You have no question about that. This is the way the world looks. You have nothing to compare it to right? Now, guess what happens? The sun starts to rise. And all of a sudden, light starts to come in the sky. Everything looks different. Those hulking things over there in the corner that you might have been afraid of, they look like rocks, not monsters. And these big trees with the with the leaf, with the branches that come down like that. They're no longer horrific beings ready to grab you. They're trees. But you didn't know that until the sun rose. That's our situation, my friends. We're walking around, and the sun is slowly rising. And as it rises, we see differently. And based on what we see, we act differently. As the sun rises in our own hearts, people who were enemies no longer look like enemies. Our own stuff that was so humongous and impossible to deal with, it's no longer so big. Things change according to how we see them. And according to, as we mature and ripen on this path, the sun rises more and more. And we see things more clearly. And based on how we see and what we see that's how we live do we treat people like possible enemies or is it obvious that they're just like us with all the same desires the same wants the same fears the same problems this is what happens when the sun rises the way we see things change and so we change And the sun is rising. It has to rise. That's the way it goes. And we will all, that sun will rise in all of our hearts. It has to. That's the way it goes. Sooner or later. Doing a practice is like putting a piece of fruit on the ledge of the window so it can be ripened by the sun. It'll ripen inside the house in the shade, but it'll ripen more quickly in the sunlight. This is a ripening process. It's not based on what we think we know. It's based on the changes that happen to us as we ripen, as our hearts get more mature and ripen. When you're really ripe... It's completely natural to treat other people the way you want to be treated. Why wouldn't you? Everybody wants to be treated well, with some respect, some kindness, everybody. Nobody likes to get beaten up, except maybe Charles Bukowski. And if somebody likes to get beaten up, we know that that's a program that's running based on that person's upbringing. But in his own heart, that person would rather be treated well. And so if if we want to be treated well, that means everybody wants to be treated well. But it's not so easy to do that. We forget. We start grabbing for stuff. We get afraid of people. If we could do that one thing, Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Who was the guy that said that? Some little-known saint? Some Jewish saint, I think. (laughs) Do unto others the way you would have them do unto you. You would not have a problem for the rest of your life. Everything would change. That's what we're working on. That's what we're trying. That's why we do these practices. Not so we can walk around with a big... Big head, think what great yogis we are, what great kirtanwalas we are. It's a little bullshit. We want to be good people. and We want to treat people well. We want to have the strength to treat people well. And we want to be treated well ourselves. However, that's one thing you can't control, what other people do. With a lot of work and a lot of desire to overcome our own stuff, maybe someday we can treat people the same way we would like to be treated. If you could do that, if I could do that, if some of the other people in this world could do that, it would be a different place. A completely different place. It's time to go now. It's 20 minutes late. There's a basketball on TV I'm only going to watch. Got to be back here by
3: eight.
2: Or 7.30, but that doesn't rhyme. All right, so uh, go get something to eat. And uh, it's been nice hanging out with you. See you later.
1: Thank you for listening to the Krishnadas Pilgrim Heart Hour. We really appreciate your support and hope you'll continue that support by going to mindpodnetwork.com slash kd and clicking on the donate button or using our amazon.com portal for all of your purchases. Thank you. Namaste.